Hi everyone and welcome back to my podcast, Recovery From It All. My name is Faye and I am the host of this podcast. Now, the last episode was the story, not in great detail but a brief summary from the birth of my daughter through to the birth of my youngest son and I do think there's a lot more what can talk at a later date regarding that time frame and how things were and obviously I will be delving back into that regarding the mental health and the addiction side of that story and the abuse part of my story but we are sticking to the subject matter in hand, which is the social services involvement. So let's pick up where we left off, shall we? So we were up to my youngest son was born and he was nearly taken away, but thankfully he wasn't, thanks to a professional who said to double check the sample of just that I was testing positive for ecstasy when I was in hospital after delivering my son, which I forgot to mention, he had been born on the kitchen floor at home, delivered by my grandmother, an absolutely terrifying experience for myself (laughs) and also for my grandmother but it's her claim to fame (laughs) bless her now the hospital at the time there was a virus going around it wasn't the coronavirus um but there was a virus at the time going around so my youngest son wasn't able to meet him or anything so it was when we went home and we were released from the hospital that my son Kai got to meet Zach. Now Kai at this point was two years had just turned two years old and was at this point entitled to the nursery's fifteen hours um placements in the nursery so I felt it would be very practical to place Kai in the January in the next month when for the 15 hours so that I could spend those hours with his brother one-to-one and getting things done and that may have been what was practical for myself but I think my son Kai found that very very hard it had been just me and him against the world for two years and although we knew I was having a baby he nothing can quite prepare an only child for another one 
for the second child coming to take away that spotlight. Um, and I think he, when we were taking him to nursery, me and my grandmother, he found that very hard because he felt like, well, I've always been there, then this baby comes and all of a sudden you're sending me away and he gets to stay, why? So I can understand there would have been some feelings going on there of not hatred because he loved him, I think he might have been jealous and a little bit of resentment going on. I think he might have felt unsure about his position in the family at that point. But it took time to give him reassurance. I was always very calm and very nurturing towards my children. Very playful. I try and always be fun and help teach them play games and read books. I always try and make sure we have boundaries, even from birth. We've set in place the bedtime routine of bath at six o'clock, wind down, lights out, settle down. We can chill out, lie and watch a film or sit with a lamp on and read a book. But it is quality time, chilling out, nice and quiet, nice and calm from six o'clock onwards. Now, yes, granted, now that time will have adjusted since they've not been in my care, but that was the routine. So, yeah, we plodded on and not long after Zach was born and The social workers were quite happy. Well, not even quite. Very happy about how I was managing with the involvement. Now, we decided come a year late. I went about round about Zach being one year old and Kai being three. That the involvement they'd had with me. They had no concerns. Um, yeah, I'd occasionally raise my voice to be heard, and I had, but at this point, I hadn't ever smacked a bum or anything like that. I was, I was managing. I was on my methadone program still and being reducing. When they signed me off, I was very, very close to coming off my um, prescription at this point. So, they signed me off and I was on my way. I was living my life, I suppose. And I still had NRP, me key worker involved, doing me samples and me prescribing me methadone. But... I knew there wasn't going to be much longer they were involved. Now, 
between that time I had met my ex-partner Daryl his nickname was Rex and because of that I, I cannot look at a the toy t- um, Rex from Toy Story the same because of it it just uh, whenever I hear that name I just it sends like chills up me back just don't ask it does so I I'd met this person and I'd known him known of him he was seeing a person that was from my hometown and people that I spoke to asking questions about them had nothing bad to say about them. They all had a lot to say that was negative regarding his ex-partner. And they did say that they would have a lot of arguments, but she would instigate them and she was very volatile and would kick them out for nothing and I, I suppose the stories he told me and then all of that and hearing all of that from people I've known for a lot of my life, it seemed like I had no reason to doubt what I was getting told. So I just took him on face value and I regret that. I do massively. So this was in the the November of twenty nineteen. I met him and Christmas comes round and let me tell you, he was someone that was supportive, caring, loving. He was brilliant with the kids, he would play with them, he would help around the house, he would take what out in the car to the beach, to the park, he would go and help us get me shopping. He was ticking so many boxes. Like I'd heard that he was having problems with drugs, but I never saw it. Um I'd heard that he had had problems with drugs, but like I never saw it or anything. I knew he smoked cannabis, but by this point I had been told by my key worker that was fine. So seeing no reason why I couldn't. So I was looking after my child, my, my boys and he was there and he pretty much moved in pretty much straight away. Now, a month later, obviously his ex-partner was, there was loads of arguments between him and her. She'd stopped him from seeing his kids and everything because of some of the stuff that had gone on between them two. And to this day, I still don't know the full extent of all of that, but all I know is... He's got a hit a record of domestic abuse and she's obviously the one that's made those calls. Now, and that his children apparently don't want to see him. 
now I get it. I get a phone, children's services, get a phone call that I'm in a relationship with a domestically abusive man and the children are in the house and they're being subjected to arguments that here me and him fighting. And I was just like took back in shock when the social worker come to my door. I'd had numerous phone calls by from them asking questions. I was and they were happy with me answers. They'd visited the home multiple occasions between the December and the March of twenty twenty. And so December twenty nineteen and March twenty twenty. Three months three, four months of continuously getting report after report after report. And it just seemed to us, we were getting along brilliantly, everything it was obviously having an impact on how, on us, it was putting a strain on our relationship. and But we were still getting along. The kids still liked them. Um, they never witnessed an argument though um, if he decided he didn't like wasn't happy and he wanted to have it like wasn't happy with something I'd done he would actually leave and go all the way drive all the way back to Berwick and she's like an hour and a half away and give us a message and say, oh, well, I'm back home. And I'd be like totally shocked thinking, well, eh, what the hell have I done? Why? Why have you left? And I'd be like bawling the eyes out thinking, why? What have I done? Have I done something wrong? Tell me. What, how can I fix it? Please don't leave. And I, this is the typical response from someone with borderline personality disorder. We just absolutely fear abandonment. And I felt like he'd abandoned us at these moments, but he would say he didn't want to have these discussions in front of the kids or anything, so he would leave and we would have these discussions essentially over messages, and then he would come back. So, yes, I would get emotional and get distraught, and a few times he was trying to end things because of the constant phone calls but I was being so naive thinking no 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 you haven't done anything wrong I want them to say that you're a good man and like if they come and do assessments if they get involved they'll say that you're a good man if you work with them and you work with me you do you work with us with them they'll be fine and I suppose I was just being completely and utterly blindsided to what was really going on at the time he was the entire time he was there that between the Jan the February and that March he was not being himself now I've learned a term since he's been with break broke up the second time which is love bombing and gaslighting which means love bombing he portrays an image of basically being perfect so that we 
fall in love with them and we can't bear the thought of being separated from them. Now, he also was gaslighting and gaslighting is they are saying one thing but you know it's not true but you believe in them. They convince you what they're saying is real and true but it's not right and it's not true and it's it's like conflicting what you know and what and it's very confusing so yeah i was i was absolutely like smitten for this bloke and i fell hook line and singer couldn't bear the thought of being without him and when the social workers had been out, they believed the one that had been out numerous times to see where he believed the story and he was quite happy with everything we'd said and he just says, hey, God, she's absolutely poisonous and all the rest of it and left and let her get on with the rest of our lives, basically, until the next call. And then he stopped coming eventually and according to the court case that's just happened they had a meeting the day that they came out with two new social workers now they come to the door and i wasn't expecting them but it had got to the point when a door the door knocked my heart would be pounding and i'd be panicking thinking oh my god is it again another social worker so I opened the door and it was and my heart was bracing and I was like tripping over my words and stuttering because I was frightened and I was I was getting to this point I was starting to feel scared for what was going to happen but the relationship was so positive from what I could say and other people could say because he wasn't actually really doing anything wrong at the time. That we could see. Yes he was lying. But we didn't know he was lying. So yeah I was. They came in and they told us that. He had to. Had to sign an agreement. That he would not reside. At my address. The same address as the children. So we signed it and they said they weren't leaving until he left. Now obviously everyone knows at this point lockdown would was like had happened. It would have been a week in a lockdown. So we couldn't get anybody to come and pick him up and take him back. Nobody would do that. And he'd just been like banned from driving because he'd been caught with cannabis in his system. And... I believe that was it anyways. Obviously, it turns out that he had been, like I said, he had been doing, he had a problem with drugs, but I didn't realise. I knew he smoked cannabis, but apparently it was more than that. So anyways, um, they waited, and, and then obviously they said, right, we'll leave, and he has to leave after we've, um, today. So we got his mum to come and collect him, and he, he essentially left. Now, he went away and we tried to keep in touch over the internet and eventually he just cut me off and totally ghosted us. And 
that really triggered my BPD very bad. He said he felt it was for the right reasons for me to just get on with my life. He didn't think it would have affected us the way it did. But it did. I was so attached and I found it very traumatic. I was just very devastated and obviously from there being in lockdown with two children and in the February prior I eventually come off my methadone and all I managed to get through the withdrawal part of it but it was once the emotions started to come back very intense that was what really knocked us really swayed us and I felt like I started to really have thoughts of wanting to use at this at that point now I it was when the child the lockdown rules were relaxed a bit and the children were allowed to go to relatives to stay or something so they started going my youngest would go to my grand my dad's and the oldest boy would go to his grandmother's on his dad's side um and during the months leading up to the September when they were removed by myself I may add yeah um between March and then my emotions and my temperament started to to change I was very irritable I was becoming very stressed out when things were and this wasn't every day I I say that and then I'm gonna have to come I always need to correct myself because so many people believe that I was this monster and that's not the case basically what happened was I was some lot of days I'd be fine completely normal get loads of stuff done, was managing to get the house decorated, managing to get the kids out, go for walks, play with games, get the pool out, play in the sunshine, get their meals made, have their housework done. And then the kids would do something. Kai would, for example, would strangle his brother, tackle him to the ground by his neck or push him over. Something would happen and I would hear Zach screaming and like, Kai, what have you done? And I would go stomping through and ask him, what the hell have you done now? And then I would get a hold of his hand and I would take him over to the naughty seat and step him down and tell him that he had to sit there for pushing his brother over. And eventually when I... 
I started to to dabble with cocaine when the children weren't there with the guilt and everything it just ate away at us and it still does because I never was that bad with them but then during lockdown I, I just seemed to become so irritated and so stressed out that I couldn't deal with the the screaming and the the bitching from them and Kai was beat was pushing Zach over and strangling him and Zach was unknown to me at the time was playing on this and trying and would be screaming when he wasn't getting his own way when he wanted something and Kai wouldn't let him because he had it first, Zach would scream and I would go in and give him wrong and or if I hadn't seen it, if I'd been like doing something and my back was turned and I hadn't seen it and I turned around and Zach was screaming, I would give Kai wrong. I would ask what had happened but he didn't seem to give us an answer that seemed right for so I just thought I was frustrated and I wanted him to behave and I wanted him to do as he was told and I'll give him wrong I would raise my voice and now I've got such regret around that but I wasn't screaming in his face I would just raise my voice at him and then I'll come down tone and then like deal with the situation but that was the odd occasions that I had smacked his bum on those times when he had I'd caught him actually pushing Zach over and strangling his brother and he wouldn't and I was asking him to let go and I was ra- raising my voice let go of him Kai let go of him, Kai, and I'd be running over. Kai, get off him, Kai, get off him. And I would get, I would tap him on the butt, give him a, a, a spank on the bum. And I would go to bed absolutely bawling my eyes out over this because I felt so guilty. And he would be upset about it. And the more he asked to go to his nana's, the more I let him. Then because I knew that I'd been dabbling and it had it started to, on the times the children weren't there, it had, es- was starting to escalate. But Jackie had turned around and said that Kai had said I'd, I'd um, shouted at him. And she only said this once. Bearing in mind now, it's apparently been going on for months, but like, she, that he was saying this, but I was told on one occasion that, so I nipped it in the bud, I was able to take this constructive criticism, take it on the chin and do something about it and try. It took for her to point it out 
and I started to make those changes but unfortunately I had a problem was starting to arise and I wanted to address it about the cravings I was facing so my mom had come and she was wanting me to look after my niece and my nephew while she had to go do her shopping and she was doing this quite often now when the children were all together they were quite testing at best so yes I become quite stressed and irritated but I never showed it I would just try and stay calm and deal with the situation without raising my voice come down to their level and ask them why they were getting upset right okay what do you want like good parents would how they would deal with it properly and I would always tell the kids I loved them every day we always went out and done things the house was getting done we were always fed clean clothed and even down to their bedtime routine was still strong, very structured. But when I told my mom that I had to give up, I had to get help, and I was trying to like hint to her, I couldn't say the words myself directly that I didn't want the like I I didn't want to say that the kids have to go. I didn't want to say it myself. I wanted her to say it, and I knew she would once I told her what I'd been doing when the kids weren't there and she says look I can't leave them with you I was like that's fair enough and so I was like I know that's fair enough and she took organized for the kids to be took away and they went and straight away I got in touch with all the appropriate people started getting the help I needed in place and I was told that it would take two and a half weeks to get put onto a script again. And in those two and a half weeks, I literally went off the scale, being separated from them and not knowing what the outcome of that could potentially be. So scared, so frightened of what the future held for us. I just spiralled out of control. In all this time, I'd stayed away from my ex-partner, Rex. And I've literally then been, like, managed to get onto my script and uh, stay clean throughout the, the rest of the September from then, all of October into the November. And it was Kai's birthday. And I didn't deal with it. And I used once or twice I think it was so the help wasn't given the social services that they, they didn't help that they, they weren't doing anything with us they were like not ta- coming in and doing any lessons with us they weren't supporting not sending us pointing anywhere not pointing us in the direction of anywhere they just left us to sit and suffer and cry and be depressed and feel like 
ולייב פוזורובה. So consuming once you start to feel like that. And when you know that you can't actually make any changes to do anything about it, that's the worst bit about it. So I went on into December and my mum had been throughout this time going back and forward to children's services like tittle-tattling oh I think there's something wrong with me there's something not right and that didn't help me in the November when I used it was like from the from the September when I got on the script all the way through niggling at us and niggling at us that I was doing something that I shouldn't be and I knew I wasn't I wasn't even going anywhere or seeing anyone was like locked away in my house all the time and just going to contact really but I was being accused of stuff I hadn't done and then I my shed got burgled and from some people that don't like us got some had run-ins with them in the past and that was it knocked us but it didn't knock us to till to the point I used it just made us very insecure made us vulnerable and at this point Daryl come back into my life we'd been in touch but we hadn't been together and he came down came round he'd moved into Ashen to a flat came round and had a look at the shed and everything helped us get me lawnmower and my strimmer back that had been stolen and obviously stuck up for us we got the police involved and he was so supportive and at a time when I was so vulnerable I just thought he's still that same person he was now the children aren't here so if they like at that agreement I signed basically said in the assessment the child and family assessment that was done that was all positive said if we got back together to tell them immediately so they could do assessments on him so my thought process at this point was the children aren't here and they're not coming back until I've proved myself. So while he's not, while they're not here, he can do this assessment and if he's allowed to be around them, then good. If they say he can't, then he'll be sent away. I didn't see that what I was doing was wrong and they didn't really explain this to us very well. They were just saying that oh, well, they would have to take this into account. And um, I was still waiting on this assessment being done on them that never happened. And as soon as I told them, he changed towards us. And I'd started smoking cannabis again with him being there and I my birthday came 
and he I went to my mum's and she said that my backpack stunk of cannabis and I physically gave her the backpack and said okay well check my backpack there's nothing in it I, I swear to you I haven't done anything but she said no it was all right she let me leave with my son and my sister-in-law and no my brothers whatever you call them and <laughs> this sounds silly don't I but whenever you call your brother's partner um, she was supervising the contact forward so she took us with my son my youngest to her house after that and I basically was then my son and Jackie his grandmother rang on a video call and he was cuddled up to his grandmother saying he didn't want to come because I had he was scared I was going to shout at him he didn't want to come to contact so I just thought okay no problem let go right bye and I was really upset by this I was really upset and far as like thinking he got it's my birthday and he doesn't even want to say his like I was devastated it really hurt and she didn't even like get him to say happy birthday or anything it was that really stung and because what had happened was the week before he had been in contact at my brother's girlfriend's house and he decided to pick up some toys she'd bought and Zach wanted a couple of them they were like little magnetic pieces you stick together and he wouldn't share them and I tell him he had to share so he literally smashed them off the floor as hard as he could and I went no Kai and raised my voice and I realised as soon as I'd done it, what I'd done, I was like, brought my volume back down to talk him. Took him through to the stairs and sat down in front of him and I spoke to him privately away from Zach so he wouldn't get embarrassed. And explained to him that I never bought those toys and that wasn't very nice. It wasn't very respectful to do that to the toys that Jane had bought for, for him and and Zach to play with that he should be be nice and play with them respectfully and he was all right once I'd explained to him but the next week he didn't want to come so I was upset and that he didn't want to come but Zach was there and I thought, right, well, I'm going to spend the time with, with Zach then. Okay, no problem. And then my mum rang Jane and she put me on the phone to my mum and I just started getting shouted at. I thought, oh, you don't, this doesn't look good. You know how this looks? And she started just going on the attack, which then... I started to feel like I was going to start getting defensive and I just, no, I'm not, I thought, I'm not doing this. And I hung up the phone on her. 
So I thought I'm not engaging in it. This is my time with my son. I'm not having it. We couldn't have this conversation any other time but now. So I hung up the phone and was about to start spending time with Zach properly. And she rang straight back and she told Jane to remove Zach because she had the she was the one caring for Zach, so she had to call the shots in these situations. So she removed him and he was screaming for me. Mommy, mommy, no, no. I broke down in tears. Absolutely heartbroken. Couldn't believe it. So distraught. And there was nothing I could do. Completely powerless. I couldn't stop her. Because if I did, they could get the police involved. And it was just horrific. Watching your own child being dragged out screaming. And when all you wanted to do was enjoy your time with them. And at this, up to this point, I'd already had two social workers and they had already started to do the um, the parent assessment on me now my next social worker that got involved was the team manager and let me tell you, she didn't give me the lickings of a dog. She literally, she read what she read on the pay, on my, on the system, and she come to the conclusion before she even came out and spoke to me and got to know me that. Basically, I was not capable of safeguarding children. That I was abusive. That my children had been subjected to drug misuse, even though they hadn't been there. And that they weren't safe in my care and that they needed to be removed permanently. And she came out and she'd done the parent assessment. She booked three sessions with me. And they were meant to be like, three, four hours, maybe I think maybe five, six hours in total, even though it's meant to be done over a 16-week period, it wasn't, it was done within, I think, a week or two, and she'd done two sessions, and she gave us some questions she wanted us to answer, and I really did think okay I'm gonna really make put me time and effort into this to show that I know like the answers to these there were questions like how does substance misuse affect children how do I think my substance misuse has affected the children do I think my relationship with Daryl is positive but when she was asking me this at that point, he was being all right. He hadn't changed. So my answers were basically like all 
is very truthful, but she deemed me to be very naive in terms of Daryl, and I was. But nobody taught us this, nobody helped us to understand. And when she came out for that third visit, she had already written up that parent assessment. Them 18 pages I wrote with pure honesty and reflection. She didn't care about what I'd written. At this by then it was too late. She didn't it was done. The parent assessment was negative and basically the children at that point couldn't come home. And I was distraught and I relapsed again. I lapsed again and I I, I just didn't deal with it very well at all. I couldn't. I, I just felt so hurt and betrayed by yet another social worker like literally not listening to us literally not giving us the time not coming in and spending time with us not even never even saw us with my kids like she didn't even see like the kids in the home there was literally none of that done and coming to the conclusion that um The conclusion she did, to me, felt so harsh. And a lot of what she wrote in this assessment, wasn't some of it wasn't even true. She didn't take notes when she was sitting there in front of me doing these like assessments. And I can remember thinking to myself when I read the report, but that's not what I said. Trying to say that I said that my grandma told me to hit and smack and shout at the children as a way of disciplining them. And I didn't say that. I had said she told me not to. And these little bits that they used that were wrong were ultimately used as like the leverage to be able to base the case on. Yes, as well, on top of the fact that I had in the past shouted at the Ben. In the past, yes, I had smacked his bum. And yes, in the past, I had been on at relapsed and I was still at this point still lapsing. But we had like New Year and Christmas and I went back in the January and told my key worker, look, I've, like, I know my samples say that I've been clean, but they're, they're not. And she says, all right, what you been doing? So I told her and I reeled off everything I'd done and she went, right, okay. I says, right, do you want a sample? No, we don't need a sample off you, Faye, because you've been honest. You've told us what's going to be in it, so I don't need a sample. But Children's Services said that I had done a sample and I was only honest because I'd been caught out. And I just thought, that's not true. So this was when they decided to 
file for court for, to get an SGO to have the children permanently removed from my care and to try and find alternative carers for the children. And they had already decided this well before then they wanted the children to be in the grandmother's care of Kai, but who isn't Zach's grandmother. And she had then handed it on to the next social worker who handled the case from there on out. And she was a lovely woman, but she didn't... There was no help. There was I was kept asking them, what do I need to do? What do I what am I like what do I need to do? Is there anything more I can do? Is there any and they kept saying, No, 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 you've done loads, there's like you've literally done everything. And from set the January when she was in like when this got passed to the court, I stayed clean. And I still am clean to this day. And her strand tests have proved my honesty in that department and from there when I got clean I had got rid of my ex-partner where because of the abuse he was putting me through with his substance abuse because over the Christmas he started to show his true colours and that was having a domino effect on me using and I also washed my hands of my maternal side of my family, except my brother, my full brother, Carl. And that really did make a difference. It started to help because it stopped the daily phone calls of that were making me feel like rubbish. I would get like a phone call every evening and it was like, my friend said he thought it must be that time of day where she thought, yeah, I haven't had a go at fate today. So she'd ring us up and pull us down for everything I'd done wrong. And, and like, and he could say is I'd been really good all day. And then he would just watch us plummet and be depleted with it during the phone call and become depressed to the point of bawling the eyes out after. And... He decided to stick by me the entire time. Stayed with us throughout this battle to stay clean. And he, while I got rid of my ex-partner, he was there when I tell him to get lost. And been with us every step of the way since. I couldn't have asked for a better support, but that wasn't what I got from my family. And that's the sad part. And also the fact that children's services are punishing me for that. It was used, that was also used against is that my family aren't supportive. And I feel like that isn't somebody's fault. They aren't in control of those things. So those things that they're not in control of, you shouldn't be punishing them for. It should be going off how they then handle those situations. It's... I honestly do think that children's services could do a lot more 
they could be involved a lot more than they are. I hardly saw my social workers. I've hardly spoken to my social workers. Most of the case is made up of what they say on the system, the little bits of phone calls they've had, the bits that other people have said, mostly the other, in fact, mostly the other family members that had the kids because they spoke to them much, much more. And they didn't want the kids coming back to me. So would my mum would say things that were in her opinion, but now they're written down as fact. Obviously, Kai had said that I'd smacked him and shouted at him, which is true, yes, but I wasn't smacking him to the point of marking him. I never was screaming in his face and, like, terrified the life out of him. I didn't do that either. I just raised my voice to get his attention, to get him to stop doing something because I was frustrated, but I made changes. My keyworker literally said I was in 24 years. She's never met anybody so determined to get clean as me. Because I am so determined. I've read books. I've done courses. I have like implemented all of this into my own life. I've done so much in the time they've given us courses they sent they sent me on the recovery toolkit and those familiar with the children's services know that if you've been in abusive relationships will know they send you on the freedom program to start with well I'd already done that now their biggest cry is that I didn't learn my lesson from that And I was talking to the people who run the program and do both the freedom and the recovery. And I said, so is doing the freedom program enough to stop somebody getting into more abusive relationships like this? And she just looked at me in shock across the the screen. Oh, because we had to do this in Google Meet and Teams um, over the, through covid And she's like, no, it's not. It's just information. It's just giving you the knowledge to recognise the signs of it so that you can then make better decisions on how to, whether or not to get out or stay and how to handle those situations. And I was like, well, why do children's services keep saying I've done the freedom program yet I've been keep getting back in these abusive relationships and she says we don't know why but they do put too much emphasis on this freedom program it's the recovery toolkit that helps give people the skills the need to be able to start to prevent those things from happening but even that isn't preventative enough to be able to stand up in court and say that but they do and 
I tried to even say this in court, but it, it just seemed to be the the social services barrister was like in her opinion it is not prevent it is not preventative when we have years of experience knowing that this is a this does help prevent people getting into abusive relationships and I, I just felt like so belittled and I felt like but the people that run the programs are seeing it themselves how can you not take their word you know they're literally telling you it isn't a preventative yet yous are so hung up on this one course being the answer to the problem and it's not there's so much more work needs to be done with those people but it's not the fact is it's not the end you don't have to be separated from your children why whilst you learn that you can learn those skills and be a mother and actually care for your children and I've been robbed of that chance I've lo I lost in court on Thursday and all I've got left now is hoping that I can help raise the voices of those like me who have tried to do their best and it wasn't heard it was literally such a patronizing answer like oh well we're not saying you haven't done anything because you have you've worked so hard but unfortunately it's not enough time was always basically my barrister said so even before you started time was always against mrs halden wasn't it and they said well yes then in that case why not tell people so they can come to accept it instead of fighting something they can't win i could have easily relapsed on thursday but i didn't and the fact is I do not blame those who have because in that moment you have literally had your reason for living ripped away from you and you know you can't get it back. You know there's no way on earth you can undo this order that they're putting in place and there's nothing you can do because you've done everything anyways and it wasn't enough so what more can you do that's going to be enough to change it in the future? And they didn't do any work with us. They didn't do any help. There was no help. I had to get the help myself. And yes, to some degree, people should get the help themselves. But they should also be putting in the help when they can see somebody is trying. Help them. If it's possible for families to be together, even if that means work should be done, then they should be doing the work. They shouldn't be separating the families on the basis that it's safer to be putting them somewhere else because there's less risk. We get that. We understand that. 
and in certain circumstances that is understandable. However, when you have parents that are trying, then you should be giving them the chance and giving them the support and the help and the tools they need to make this work. If they mess up at that point, I understand then, no, you burnt your bridges and that's the end. But, no. Well, I'm going to try and move on from this as best I can and try and prove to my children that I did fight for them and that I did do everything that I could and even after I carried on trying but the system is broken it needs to change and change isn't going to happen by everybody sitting and complying to the rule of you can't say anything about your case you're not supposed to talk about it to anyone you're not allowed to share it on at the end of the day if you don't nobody's going to know and then the next family aren't going to be knowledgeable to know how to deal with the situation and change won't happen if they don't know the system's broken and it is thank you for listening and i hope anybody out there that is also suffering this same horrific situation just know we can go through this together as a team a family of survivors separated from our children who will one day be reunited but together our voices will be louder so let's join together and have our voices heard to have change made in the system to bring justice to families Thanks for listening and catch us next time. Bye.